the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. With our co-host, Sherry Feeney, our financial wizard, Ace Water Superb. And as promised, um, I am thrilled to have again Iona Harrison, who has represented the interests of homeowners and real estate professionals in so many capacities that it's hard to choose which to mention. She's been a realtor since 1976. She's testified before the Congress on behalf of the National Association of Realtors, and she was the National Association of Chair of Federal Taxation. She was on the Housing Opportunity Advisory Board. And during the last elections, nobody knew more about what effect the Trump tax cuts would have on homeowners and the real estate market. Good morning. Good late morning, Iona. I'm so thrilled to have you. Thank you. Well, thank you. That was a wonderful uh, introduction, and I always look forward to uh, talking with you and, uh, you know, just uh, hopefully um, making sure that folks have uh, a well-informed idea about, you know, what our point of view is uh, going forward. So, you know, we're living in interesting times. Very interesting, to say the least. (laughs) Okay. And sometimes I listen to so much of it, and I say, wait a second, I don't even know what I'm listening to anymore. So sometimes it's just uh, crazy. But I was, there's some, some specific things that I love you then to tell our radio l- listeners um, what you think going forward is important. But talking about flood insurance, um, and that was supposed to, uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but that was supposed to expire. Uh, and didn't you help get that stopped? Absolutely, it is. It is. Can you tell? Well, can, I don't know if everyone knows the whole story, but can sure, you tell I can the? Give you a tiny bit of background. Again, it, right. it's one of those uh, issues that, if it isn't your issue, you probably haven't even thought about flood insurance. But to, you know, I think uh, in the last couple of years, anybody that lives, you know, anywhere. Uh, near water, and certainly those of us uh, who who live on the you know the East Coast have uh, experienced yes. some extraordinary events that uh, make bring uh, whether you have flood insurance uh, a, a major kind of issue. Now, for us, uh, first of all, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the background, but I'll let you know where where we are right now. What happened was the we. I'm from the Washington metro area, so we like acronyms. The NFIP, which is National Flood Insurance Program, 
uh, has been extended by Congress, but only until after the midterm election. So it, it expires again November 30th of this year. Okay, well, so all we have is a band-aid that that you know can fall off, you know, in, in no time whatsoever. And uh, the reason this is so critically what we want to see, and when I say we in this context, I'm talking about the National Association of Realtors, is um, that there are um, more than twenty thousand communities throughout our nation in which. Flood, uh, having a flood insurance policy in addition to their homeowner's insurance is an absolute requirement. Okay. Uh, now, the NFIP is the government's uh, giving uh, property owners some flood insurance so that they can go forward and buy the, these houses in these. So it's taxpayer-funded, and it um, helps them in these disaster re- in disaster relief and flood-prone areas. Now, again, one one little caveat: let's remember that not everybody who lives in a floodplain area is hugely wealthy, has a mansion, can afford this insurance. Okay. You're absolutely right. Most yeah. people don't. Most people can't. I mean, look, it's hitting most of our listeners, who are, a lot of them are from the Northeast. And yep. listen, we were wiped out in many places. And these are just regular people. We're not talking about some $20 million home on the ocean. Exactly. So these are folks for whom adding an additional uh, big premium makes their home unaffordable for them. And these might be people moving back into a house that's been rebuilt in Sandy uh, or somebody who wants to, to move next to their mom and dad or live in the neighborhood they grew up in. So, it again, I think it's important to remember that because lots of people will use these ideas to uh, to cloud the issue. But what we want to see and what we at NAR support is we do certainly want the reauthorization and the strengthening, the gradual strengthening of the flood insurance program so that it is sustainable over the long run. So we are not saying, you know, we understand taxpayer money must be wisely spent. We also want to encourage, and to this end, we want to encourage the development of private market options to offer comparable flood insurance, maybe at even a lower cost than the NFIP, and certainly at a cost that doesn't affect taxpayers themselves. And we also want to make sure, though, that federal assistance to high-risk property owners, including guaranteed loans and buyouts and grants, uh, to keep these insurance rates affordable for the, for the folks that need it. And, again, gradually pricing NFIP policies so that they actually accurately reflect the risk involved. And finally, and this is actually a critical, critical part, is improving flood map accuracy. So fewer property owners have to file expensive appeals. So we have flood maps. Well, you know, I just saw that I own a, because, you know, I'm originally from Long Island, and I can tell you, that a lot of us had our, our insurance dropped us, mm-hmm. and they consider flood zones. I mean, I don't live anywhere near the water, but like if it's two miles away, they're considering it a flood zone. So, I think to your point, they definitely need to redo those maps. And um, if you live 
in a place like Long Island or 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 a place you know uh, parts of the city, it's it's really tough. I to get insurance, I I finally got it, but I had to give all my insurance to one company. So right, where exactly. Does it stand and now? to be frank, you probably have the financial ability to to pay for this. Okay, but if you're just a regular kind of right. folk, uh, that, that you probably couldn't have, and that means you you couldn't you would not be allowed to buy that house or, you know, continue to live in. I don't know. So what let me that. ask you something, because politically it sounds really like bad no that they're waiting for the, mid, the midterm elections to be over and then anything goes. Can we do anything to help? Should people write to their I mean, a- absolutely. Uh, make sure that your uh, elected representative, so this means both sides of the aisle, because, again, this is the whole entire Congress has to do this. Let them know that you want them to pass a national flood insurance program and to make the appropriate reforms to make it viable for, you know, continued operation. And a lot of the reasons that it's expensive is it isn't working. We're admitting it's not doing the best job it can. And again, we want private, so you probably were able to put together uh, some private flood insurance uh, for for your property. But uh, so we want this this partnership of private and federal, although they won't partner, but they will be available, but to, be available. to folks. Absolutely. So absolutely get get in touch. I, um, one of the things I think that is most important is for your listeners, for everybody, the more you know about an issue, the more you are going to be invested in that issue, and you need to communicate that to your elected officials. They care about your and what you have to say. They care about your vote. And right before the election, it's a really good time to talk to them, because uh, especially if they're up for re-election. So there That's you go. True. <laughs> and like that, I, I think a lot of people complain about stuff and then really don't voice anything. So I think if you do it in a positive way, uh, they do want to hear from you. So what uh, do you uh, think is the most important interest for... Because the NAR really... Fights for what's best for homeowners. I, Absolutely, I don't know. and I think that again is one of the things that that I personally am very proud of, and I've said it for many years. Is we at the National Association of Realtors, first of all, we we te- we vote and support issues. We are not partisan. We want to promote the sale and exchange of real property in the U.S. and, quite frankly, across the world. And to do this, we are speaking for folks who are going to buy a house in five years. Maybe, you know, your kids who just got married or, you know, so this is the collective voice. They, they don't have a group that gets together and it's called Homeowners to Be. No, but we I don't think everybody folks. really knows that the... NAR, and I think I just did a Freudian slip and said the NRA, the NAR, the <laughs> National Association of Realtors, is really, uh, really, really fights for on behalf of that homeowner. So Absolutely. what do you think is most important for real estate in the federal ba- budget battles that are going on now? Right. Well, again, uh, you know, th- this is, we, we've heard uh, the president say that he's, he's not afraid to shut down the government. And, again, November, uh, 
because he wants his border wall. We here on the same side, the Republican side, the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, he's pledging that the appropriations process is not going to be dysfunctional this year. That was a quote. Okay? Okay. So let's see what we've got. You've got two kind of different things going on there. So to be uh, technical about it, the appropriations process now is about halfway done. Uh, so there are 12 spending bills. They've all been approved by their appropriate committees, and they're awaiting action in the House and Senate in you know various stages along the way. So what they're hoping to do to move forward with, and these are the spending pro- packages. So we're talking about the interior environment, financial services, agriculture, and transportation and HUD. So, I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, all right. these different well, things. Like I said, I think you said it before. A a lot of what we try to do on this show um, is to inform you because when you're informed and then you know about issues or, or, you know, whatever it might be, finance, real estate issues, then you can kind of make your own decisions on what's important to you and what you really think. But if people, I find, you know, Sometimes there's so much stuff going on that people are just too too much to keep up with. So let me ask you this big question because we had a, I had a, a caller or somebody who emailed me, uh, mm-hmm. or I think it was Inman who had said that uh, a lot of the reasons they think that Westchester or some of the areas uh, that are uh, not doing as well as they could mm-hmm. is because of the tax cuts to affect. How do, the ta- how do you expect last year's tax cuts to affect the midterm election? I mean, um, do you think that they'll ever change those mortgage rules, or do you think they'll just keep them? Again, you know, we're, we're, we're talking in crystal ball territory, and I think, again, it depends on going down the road what happens. Midterm elections are going to count, okay, because it, you're talking about the Democrats need to gain 23 seats in the House to take it away from the Republicans. And they only need two seats in the Senate to gain a majority. But, again, nobody's saying getting two seats in the Senate or 23 in the House is an easy run. That's, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that kind of a shift can uh, impact how close a look is taken at these issues. So for right now, you, again, talking about people are still... And we're also talking about professionals. We're talking about CPAs and everything grappling with what this new, uh, these new tax rules mean. And okay, and just for our listeners to just make it easy, because I think we just talked about it earlier. In certain, mm-hmm. you can now write off only up to ten thousand. Uh, so right. Yeah, if you uh, live if in an area about, like New York or a city or Westchester or Long Island right, or that, Connecticut, that, that, where right. our taxes are kind of twenty-five, thirty, and those those taxes are not on a mansion. I mean, that it could be like right, exactly. Yeah, I it, I can tell you properties that were three or four hundred thousand that it wouldn't matter how much I lowered the price, they can't sell them because. The taxes are so high that the person that could afford a three or four hundred thousand dollars can't afford those taxes, and it's in a lot of the suburbs and in a lot of the. So now that they took the right off, and it's only you can only write up up to ten thousand, which in some states is not a problem. 
You know, right, it's not. exactly, and you so know, good for them. But that's that's not us, and it's not most right. of. Again, certainly, it's not Maryland, and uh, and exactly so. So the people who would like to buy that, you know, three hundred and fifty thousand, four hundred thousand dollar house, and can qualify on every other level. Once you throw that annual tax, and you cannot offset it by. You know, by the deduction, which we had legitimately been able to take off from taxes, because otherwise you're paying the tax twice, aren't you? So there, there was a fairness issue there that was kind of just passed over in the effort of the um, Congress to push this through, to have a win on the books, yeah. quite frankly. Well, I'm hoping that they reevaluate it. Mm-hmm. I hope they reevaluate it and they do what they did with a. Uh, with some of the mortgages where they do where they kind of kind of do a scale and and they look at areas and they kind of adjust it based on if you know your average that the higher tax areas should have a little bit higher deduction and i'm hoping i don't think that's going to happen in the next couple of months no but again i think if enough people understand and talk about it and as you said we don't know the impact on it because I don't find any less people looking for houses because all the areas that I deal with are highly taxed. Right. So exactly. I don't have one that's low. So. Right. No, nor, nor do we. I mean, the Washington, D.C. metro, everybody, and it's, our, uh, it's the largest way that our schools are funded. And uh, so all the way down, it works all the way down to our, our local, you know, county jurisdictions. And uh, so, so the impact is very, very personal uh, in, in terms of, you know, uh, how, how you're going to live your life. Uh, and and what choices you're able to make. What this does is it eliminates choices, and I, I, I you know, kind of don't like that. People, I like for folks to have some That's options. the best place to be and where you have options. So right. let me say, because we're coming up to the end of the hour, what is the next real estate, what's real estate's next biggest challenge, do you think? Real estate's next biggest challenge, that's, uh, it's a great question. I think in, in terms of our prioritizing being NAR again, we want to make sure, we want to get this flood insurance again, playing games like this so that every couple of months we have to do, uh, you know, a, a full assault on the hill to get them just to push it through is uh, it taxes our resources and quite frankly our, our members in terms of their, you know, ability to sustain the fight. Uh, congratulations to everybody because we've done a really good job and we want to keep doing that. But if we can get the public on uh, the bandwagon, that, that'll be absolutely great. Um, well, you know, and- Iona, before you go, I, I really just want to tell everyone that I don't know uh, if enough people, even in the real estate industry, know how much... Uh, the uh, the National Association of Realtors really fights, for, and it's not a, you know it's not it's not a partisan issue. It just fights for really good things for the homeowners. And of course, you know you have to pay taxes because you have to fund things. But I think that if more people know and they get involved and they or they at least let whoever their officials are know their true feelings, uh, you know people want to be reelected. So and I and I think that. A home ownership is it matters. It does, and people want it, and and it'll always be important. So, is there any place that just would you suggest that they write to their their congressman or right? Absolutely, you write both 
to your, your senators, your two senators, you only have two, and you know who your local representatives are, and tell them we that you support reform of the NFIP, the National Flood Insurance. You want to make sure that this program continues to operate uh, so that uh, people are able to buy uh, buy and sell property. Buy homes because that the are other close side to the this is, If Thank. the folks can't buy it, you can't sell it. I know. We're taking a break. We have a commercial. I want to thank you so much Thanks for informing for us and have a wonderful and, weekend. Yeah, tell folks uh, to vote or they can't complain. I will. I will. <laughs> thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back. We have a commercial break, and that's really true. I try not to. I mean, and, and if you live in the Northeast, flood insurance is important. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hi. Hello, and we're back with I on Real Estate. So Jerry and Ace, and, you know, even when you're getting a mortgage, we, we all live in an area that, you know, you don't have to be living next to the water uh, to uh, be affected or have to get flood insurance uh, if you're on Long Island, half the Long Island. I remember them telling me, they interviewed me after Sandy, and do you think anyone will ever buy on Long Island? Probably never, right? I said, well, listen, I said, I think that's wrong. Um, I do think if you love water like I do, then you're always going to be in a place that has an ocean. I mean, you don't have to live on it. Uh, but we've had some serious floods, so uh, it's important that... Uh, we work on flood insurance because everyone, a lot of people need it. It's not just, these are, as, as that woman said, it's not just people that are on the ocean or anything like that. I'm going to talk about a few different subjects, but I wanted to just do one or two more questions that were asked, um, were emailed to us. And this was um, from somebody from actually Long Island in, in Long Beach. I was told that September and October were good months to sell a house, but if they didn't sell by Thanksgiving, to take it off the market until January. Does that make sense to you? And simple, that's an easy question to answer. At one time, that's what everyone said. They said, you know what? Because people want to have their kids in school, so they'll look in the spring. It's usually a big market. And then they'll look after... Uh, school and then once Thanksgiving and the holidays come, people say it's slower because people are away, they're on vacation, they're worrying about the holidays. But I think that, uh, I don't think the seasonality is as big a deal as it was. I think people that are looking are going to look all the time and I do think that if your home is listed during the holidays, like let's say December, there's less stuff on the market so you have less competition. Any sense of that, Jerry? Or kind of think the same thing, correct? I, well, I don't I, think Jerry is there. He is. He is. He's connected. He's connected. He's connected, but... Uh, here's another one. I think my landlady is a hoarder. She never opens the door to her apartment more than a foot or two, so we can't see in. There's a bad smell from her apartment. In the garbage can... In the garbage cans at the curb, there are bags full of empty cat food tins. I like my apartment and can't afford to move. What should I do? This is from Betty Gross from Staten Island. That's a tough one. Uh, that's a tough one. 
if you think your landlady is a hoarder, and she might be and she might not, well, thinking and somebody really being one or two different things, I don't know. And I don't know where, I don't know if there's anything that, unless, you know, it gets that severe, I don't know if there's anything you can do if somebody's a hoarder. If there's a health uh, problem or a fire problem. Yeah. Do we have Jerry on the line or is he off? I, I don't. I don't seem to hear him. Um, maybe I have a bad connection with him. But he, I don't think there's, unless it's like if you've ever seen that show Hoarders on TV, where it's so severe it's a health problem and the Board of Health comes in. Uh, I don't think, okay, now she has cat food and maybe empty cat food, which I'm sure smells horrible. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean she's a hoarder, uh, but that doesn't stop you from uh, having a bad smell. Now, she's your landlady, so you have to approach that carefully because you uh, rent from her. Can you do this stuff anonymously? Can you call the health Well, department? I don't know if this is a... I see I, this is somebody who's standing on... I don't know if this is a two-family house. It, could, it I, sounds you know, like it might be, Daddy. You know, I, I don't know. This is not... This doesn't sound like a, an apartment where there's 100 people yeah. living there. It looks like maybe a two-family, maybe a three-family where the landlord is who you're renting from. And you're the renter, and if you want, and she, this person is saying, I don't want to lose my apartment. I, I don't want to move. So how would they approach it? And I'm, I, I think sensitively, and I, I, I think you probably have to say, um, maybe say something to the. I mean, I, I would maybe say something to the effect that you know. Uh, I have to think about how I'd say that. I probably would say I was allergic to cat food or something. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a white lie. I don't know. Because you don't want to make her angry and you don't want to offend her. And it doesn't mean she's a hoarder. And even if she is, unless it's a public health problem, she um, it's her house. There was a thing in the Apthorpe apartment, not the Apthorpe apartment building, one of the apartment buildings on the Upper West Side, where the landlords realized that the number of uh, newspapers stacked and all the extension cords might be a fire hazard. And so they repeatedly called the fire department on their tenant. And, of course, the tenant said, they're just trying to get me out because I pay a low rent. At the same time, it really was a serious health problem. So it's very different. But that was the landlord calling. Yeah, but that's different. That's a big apartment. Okay, and that's the landlord mm -hmm. calling on somebody who lives in their apartment. And if you're the landlord, that's going to be not favorable for you because you're going to have a hard time renting apartments if there's something that's a fire hazard. This is the tenant that lives and is renting from the landlord who's saying that the landlord has maybe a hoarder and maybe, and I would say to you, uh, look at your lease if you have a lease, okay? And if it's for two years, I might just have a conversation with her nicely and say, look, I know you love cats and all that. Um, I have a very sensitive smell, you know, I'm sensitive to smell and maybe, uh, and I really, you know, I'm almost allergic to cat food. You know, I, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to tell you because I really have to think about that, and maybe I'll think about it over the week and retell you. But you have to be careful because you want to stay there, and I don't think she can throw you out if you have a lease. But you still want to have a nice relationship. Yeah. But sometimes people really don't realize it's what you know what they're used to. I mean, so she's probably used to the smell, and it would drive me crazy also. So therefore, uh, I don't. I would probably try to say it in a nice way. Say, so, you know, and I you know, have a sensitive sense of smell. And uh, if, if you think it's the cat food, 
Okay, and so, but but if she's just a hoarder and she's always going to be like that, then, you know, you're going to either have to deal with it and put a lot of air fresheners around, you know, or move. Uh, you know, no Donnie, that's, that's that. interesting because some leases have, you know, noise pollution or even smell pollution on their leases. So Yeah, but you you're know. talking about, yeah, I, I I'm gonna, Probably you're talking about family, big city family. apartments. Yeah, this exactly. sounds like, I could be wrong, but from Staten Island, you know, I don't think it's a building. If it's a building, you could report it to the building manager yes. or who's ever managing the building. This is, hey, you're living with a landlord. I, I would say, you know what, I have a, clean, what would you do? I have a cleaning lady coming in. You know, I'm paying for the for the day for the cleaning lady. Would you like for the cleaning lady to clean your your I guess your apartment too? <laughs> yeah, you know? but but Ace, if she's a hoarder and she keeps, she probably doesn't a lot want of, to clean it, right? No, no, yeah. she, no. It, it it might not be that she's dirty. I don't know. Yeah. It might be that she keeps empty cat food cans in her because he's saying that they they they're saying they find them in the garbage. She might keep them and let them pile up. Okay. Uh, if she's a hoarder, a cleaning pl- a person isn't going to oh. do the trick. Because no, the hoarders won't let the cleaning person touch anything. Then you know what? I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy incense, and then I'll just light no, it No, Jerry, up. I was looking for you before. You must have... I, ha- I got, famous, I got uh, diverted. I apologize. I got diverted downstairs when I ran downstairs. Went to that gold throne. Yeah, I, but we, 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 yes. we were saying that <laughs> really, throne. unless it's a health hazard, because yeah. this, this yeah. person uh, asked us if, they could, if there's yeah. anything they could do. But they're, know, the, they're the tenant, and they want to stay there. And it sounds yeah. like it's a two-family house or something of that yeah. nature. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Dottie. You know, look, I've represented uh, hoarders before who were getting evicted by buildings, mm-hmm. and they don't play around. You know, the fire department uh, deserves uh, the respect to, you know, not hoard extra paper and things like that that are fire hazards. So you're right. If it's that, then, then the fire department will, but he will thinks it, but he doesn't know. And if you yeah. call the fire department on them and she's not a it's, hoarder, they'll know or they just give her it. a warning. Yeah. You're, you might be looking for another apartment. Yeah. So it, it's, it's hard to deal with hoarding because, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, a, a, a mental issue and there are people that know how to treat it. Um, but it's hard. You can't just go in and start throwing things out. You, you agitate, uh, the hoarder when you do that. Um, you know, we had it with someone in our family, and it's a tricky issue, you know. Yeah. So we what, can what only we say that, garbage. you know, yeah. you can try yeah. speaking, and, you know, hopefully they're not a hoarder. Hopefully they just keep empty cat cans in their apartment, uh, and you can hopefully yeah. maybe make yeah. some progress there, okay? Maybe it's their dinner. Good luck. Good luck and like, keep us posted. Well, you know, in the old days, we would say, yeah, poor people would eat cat food, but uh, I don't know if you've ever priced dog food these days, but it's about $2 a, a little can for my dog, so it's not cheap anymore, so no, I don't think not. they're eating it. Yeah. Let me take a question from Sherry from Queens. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for calling Iron Real Estate. Hi, Daddy. Hi. 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 Uh, I'm the executor of a family member's estate, and uh, I had to get an appraisal of the property, and the attorney arranged for the appraiser. Uh, When I got the report, uh, I questioned the comparables. I called the appraiser, and I said I didn't agree with the, I thought the appraisal was much too high, Mm -hmm. and I said the the house is in deplorable condition and whoever buys it uh, will have to spend at least $100,000, $125,000. And he said to me, he said, whoever buys this house will knock it down. And he said, 
my appraisal was based on a knockdown price. Well, hmm. he didn't say that in the appraisal, and I want to know if I can appeal this. Good question. Well, you, yeah, that's, a good, yeah, that's a good question. That's a great question, Sherry. I'm assuming Jerry's going to answer that, but I'm assuming you paid for this appraisal. It was a private appraisal that you did on behalf of your of the estate. Board. We're going to, you know what, Sherry, hold on. We have a break coming up, and then Jerry will answer your question, but I'm assuming it's a private appraisal. We'll be right back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. Your little time flies. We don't have much time, so we have a couple of questions. And we were in the middle of speaking with Sherry from Queens, and she's talking about the can she, oh, she was asking Sherry, she had an appraisal, she thinks it's too high, he said that it, the appraisal is based on knocking the house down and replacing it, although it doesn't say that. Jerry, is there anything she can do? Yeah, so because this is an estate and um, you know, you're the uh, fiduciary here, you're the executrix, you are the one that runs the show. And so right. the appraiser absolutely has to answer to you about the methodology and the completeness of the report. And I think your question is a very good one. Uh, if their uh, appraised value is, is you know, the Appraiser is obligated to produce it for fair market value at time of death uh, of the you know the person who died, and fair market value has got to be the you know the highest and best use of the property. Some properties, the highest and best use is um, a teardown, you know, because it's simply underbuilt for the value of the property. For example, if I had a little you know garden shed in the middle of Manhattan. Uh, the appraised value would absolutely knock that down and sell the vacant land because it's much far more valuable. So, but I, but I think that they should have done that if that was their meth- methodology to show it as a knockdown and then comps on vacant land, because otherwise, how is how are they coming up with that price? If they're showing comps on occupied property, then that's not relevant, I think, to to a teardown. Is that well? Is also, that the, in one of mm-hmm. the comps. Uh, when I spoke to him, he said that one of them was a teardown, but he didn't indicate that in his report. Right. I mean, I think comps for a teardown are, is vacant land, right? right? So the cost to tear it down plus the, uh, the value of the vac- uh, a, a weight against the value of the vacant land, you've got to comp out vacant land. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what's the point of the teardown? I mean, Doug, right, and, and also I would hope that you have to hope. I don't, I, you know, I don't know the area, but is it an area where there are a lot of people that there's no land and they're tearing houses down to build? I mean, is that they are tear, yes, they are tearing houses down and building big. Not ones. everyone, mm-hmm. but some. And they're but building some. big so, ones. So, well, it's no. If it's an area where there's no land and they're tearing houses down to build. I guess because the, the appraiser has a, a duty to put an estimate of value. I guess he's putting what he thinks is the highest. You might ask him if he would put in um, a value. If you think that the value is going to be lower for a, for a person who's just going to live in it, uh, then maybe he would separate that out. He said um, to me, I'm not changing it. No, really? Those were his final words to me. 
I'm not uh, changing go, it. Go hire another appraiser. Go hire another appraiser. You have a right All to right, do that so. as the executrix. Yeah. You <laughs> run the show, and, and this time you pick the appraiser and talk to them about their methodology. You sound like you uh, are a very astute businesswoman based on, you know, your review of this. It's and, you know, just for, yes. just for our I listeners. Read every, I read every word in that appraisal. Good for and, you. Good for you. And what he did, he came to the house, he went through every room, he took pictures, uh, inside, outside. Why would you do that for a teardown? Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, I know, and he should. So hire somebody else, and please yeah. keep us close. We don't have much time left. I have a lot of callers, and I'm not sure that we're going to get. I to know, everyone. but where do I get? Where do I get an appraiser? Leave, the, you, get leave your phone number with a producer. Yeah, and we'll send Jonathan you. Miller we'll give you. Okay. Yeah, Jonathan, the best. And Thanks talk to him first. The best. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great weekend, Sherry. Good luck. I have Vinny from Yonkers. Hi, Vinny. Uh, hey, hi. You got a great uh-huh. show there. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the New York City real estate is unbelievable. You got a farm and so on for 40 million, 10 million, 80 million. And they tell these poor unionized construction workers, we can't afford you. We can't afford you. You just sold an apartment. Not, folks, not a building, an apartment for $25 million. It's all nonsense. You don't let them, or never let anybody get the upper hand on you. Do your homework. You do, do pretty good. Look at, you know, there's a guy, right? conservative sports guy, Dino Costa, is getting a bad deal. They won't hire him because he has a different point of view. Dino is a great host. You have a, sports is there in a question coming here because so we're running out of time? Right. right. So what question? is your question? Because we have a lot of uh, callers. So you have okay, a question. I know. No, no, you know what? It's not that we don't respect your point of view. I try to kind of right. keep it, you know, kind of. Up to, you know, I give them the information, then the audience can decide which way they, whatever they feel is good for them. But do you have a question specifically? Because we are, our show is ending in two minutes. Oh, yes, I do have, I definitely have a question here. But when it comes to co-ops now, is, do you think that thing is, co-ops have kind of lost their, uh, maybe their appeal, or they're a thing of the past? Hmm. Well, I would tell you this, they're not building co-ops. So as far as are they going to increase in, in uh Amount of co-ops built? No, because they're not building them. Uh, I think that you'll see that for our latest market report, if you go on the Element site and you look up the latest market reports for New York City, uh, you'll see that co-ops actually went up. In, I mean, the, when I say went up, not a, they, we sold more of them than we did last time mm-hmm. this year, and that's because they're a better deal. Okay, right now they're a better deal. Um, I don't, you know, you can get a better value in a co-op. However, again, different co-ops have different rules. And, you know, I'm, you know, I've seen people in co-ops where they they don't like the bar. Matter of fact, I didn't have time to talk about it today. But I just had that with a buyer who asked the question, and we'll talk about that next week. What happens? I was, my buyer was turned, three different buyers were turned down Mm. on me. So, uh, which we'll talk about next week. So I just say you have to look at the rules of the co-op and a lot of stuff. But I don't, you know, they're not building more. Condos are what they're building. Yeah, they're certainly building condos. The only reason you'd ever build a co-op these days is if it was a land lease. But, you know, there's so much inventory that is co-op and they don't convert. You know, they don't convert from co-op to condo. So once you're a co-op, it's going to stay that way. And, you know, there's a a substantial part of our housing stock that is co-op. So what I find a lot of times is people start out looking and saying, oh, I want a condo, I want a condo, 
And then the, and the brokers start showing them condos, and they realize that things are out of the price range, and all of a sudden, co-ops, you get a little bit more bang for your buck. Um, but they're definitely here to stay. But as Dottie says, they're not building new ones. Yeah. So, you know, you have to really look at the board and what their, how strict it is and what their requirements are and how much cash they want more than the bank. Uh, but people love them, and they're good deals, and they still sell. Let me put it that way. Does that answer your question, Vinny? Right, that's great. I think the best way for co-op banks to go up is to have Dino Costa move into your. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh okay. yeah, I'm sure they would really skyrocket if you moved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Call All him right. and he'll do it. <laughs> That's right. your Who's opinion. That? And we have Christine. Let me try to squeeze one more question in before we have to end our show, which always saddens me. But Christine, hi, Christine. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Um, my dad passed away recently, and he had a property in Florida that was in a trust. And um, my brother is the trustee. I am only the successor trustee. And there were four children who were beneficiaries to the property. The other three are, aren't interested in the property, and I indicated to the attorney handling the trust that I would be the only one interested in purchasing the property. And he sent an appraiser to the house, and that was four months ago. And whenever I follow up by phone call, the attorney doesn't return my call. So how can I move this process along? <laughs> well, first of all, we're very sorry about uh, the loss of your dad. Yes. Yes. Um, attorneys, oh, thank you. Uh, attorneys sometimes are not great at returning phone calls when they're busy. It's not an excuse. But I would. Uh, are you not talking to your brother? He's the trustee. He's the one that's running the show. Oh, I'm afraid that it's a difficult relationship, and uh, I'm not getting a response from him. Right. Well, you know, the, the attorney doesn't have to talk to you. The attorney represents the trust, and his client is the trustee, and, you know, you're a beneficiary. He doesn't have to talk to you. Um, and perhaps that's what's happened is the brother has instructed him not to spend legal resources on talking to the beneficiaries. And, and therefore, uh, you know, unless he's mishandling uh, the corpus of the trust, uh, then, you know, you have to let him run its course. He doesn't have to sell it to you, depending on what the trust says. If the trust says liquidate the property and distribute the cash, that's what the trustee does. If the trustee wants to sell it to one of the uh, beneficiaries, then the trustee can reach out and, and make that known. But they don't have to. But, but have Jerry, to maximize does, does, the use of the property. To Jerry, does, does the, um, the people that are left in that, uh -huh. Are they allowed to know what the what's in the tr what the trust says? Are they? Oh, yeah. I mean Absolutely, you're entitled to see a copy of the trust if you are a beneficiary, and you're entitled to an accounting. Um, you know, the trustee is a fiduciary; they have to account to the the beneficiaries, but but they run the show. So unless they're abusing their post or unless they're misusing trust property, uh, their discretion is generally deferred to by the courts. So, Christine, have you seen? Have you seen what the trust? How have you seen the trust? Yes, I have. Actually, I, I do have a copy of it. Um, and what I was told by the the uh, attorney who drew up the trust was that he has to contact the other three beneficiaries to mm -hmm. make sure there's no objection to me buying the property. And well, that that's probably where it was left. Oh. Well, you know what? If your brother's the trustee and you're not, I mean, is there any possibility that you could have any conversation with him or is it totally? 
Well, I've I mean, emailed them several times, and I've said, you know, the sooner that I purchase the property, the faster that the estate doesn't have to continue to pay the bill. Right. You know, what is right. your objective? Well, maybe I wouldn't approach it that way. Maybe I would approach it differently um, yeah. because, look, he's got to do what's best for the trust, for, the, right. for all the parties. So if selling, if selling this property is going to put everyone with more money, then that's what he should do. Uh, so I, I don't know what price you offered, but I just think that what you would start out with is just say, look, you know, I know sometimes things, you know, this issue got in the way, but we are brother and sister and I want you know to do the right thing for everybody. Maybe yeah. we could have a talk. A if you approach. call me next week, I'll tell you, I just would talk to him about it in a different way without pushing it. I think they're telling us that our time is up. We're over, so we're going to be here next week and um, have a great weekend. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.